You're listening to the Yoga Teacher's Helper, a podcast about how to become a better and more successful yoga teacher. With Anastasia Shevchenko, the founder of the Berlin Yoga Conference, and Nadezhda Gapova, founder of Yoagna Yoga and Nonstop Yoga Festival. Hi everyone, I'm so happy to share with you today that we have a very special guest on our podcast. Can you guess who it is? It's Mark Walsh. Mark is visiting Berlin and we are really lucky to catch him for just about 45 minutes for this episode of the Yoga Teacher's Helper. I'm happy to be here. Great. We I've just, just been told I have a sexy voice. So now I'm going to do the whole interview in this. This is my, my sexy yoga voice, apparently. You have more voices. Yeah? More voices. <laughs> we could do. I could be very British as well. This is also possible. Mm, let's leave that out. Um, so <laughs> the first question to you is very simple. Mm. What is embodiment yoga principles, which is your specific brand of the whole embodiment movement, in a few words? Okay, so it, it's a system that can be applied to any kind of yoga. So mm -hmm. it's not a style of yoga. It's a system of principles that help get yoga off the mat and into life. So rather than using yoga physically or in some esoteric spiritual way, it's how do we learn about ourselves through yoga, get psychological insights and in you know, a Western but deep way, I would usually say. Um, but most importantly, like how do we actually um, learn something that's useful for our real lives rather than dressing up uh, in special leggings and pretending to be Indian when we're not. So how you came to, to embodiment yoga? What was the oh, well, I've done yoga really my whole life. My mom was teaching yoga and I've done yoga since I was a kid, as well as a lot of martial arts, a lot of coaching, dance, improv, this body therapy, these different influences. And I'd be in a yoga class and I'd be like, it'd be healthy. I'd enjoy myself. I'd relax. I'd stretch. I'd go, oh, this is good. But I started to realize there was more possible in this asana context than simply to relax. And, I, you know, it's great to have good health. And of course, I like to relax. Um, but then I realized I would get some insights. So, for example, I'd be in class and someone would be doing warrior pose. And it was really obvious to me that someone, this was like natural for them. Like, yeah, like the first time I did warrior, I was like, no problem, kick ass, you know. And someone else is like, this is really hard for me. And they're like, oh, okay, I know that girl. I know she's like lacking confidence and she finds it hard to take space. And she finds it hard to have this like warrior quality. And I thought, that's really interesting. Or maybe I'd do a pose and I'd notice an emotional shift. So you do a backbend and I'd find myself like going, oh, fuck, like swearing or coming more expressive. Or I'd um, do a letting go pose, like if we call it a letting go pose, forward bend. And I'd notice like, oh, I stopped worrying about something. I let it go. And I started to think, okay, I'm a psychologist, right? So I'm thinking instead of using yoga just for stretching and health, which is valid, but it's not all that's possible. Why not let's use it in this psychological way to learn about ourselves and to develop ourselves. So this word embodiment is becoming very popular, very fashionable. You see like hashtag embodiment avocado salad now, you know, it's meaning any old damn thing. But really all it means is the relating to our bodies as part of who we are. So not to try and transcend this or escape this, but equally not to be obsessed with this as the physical body, the athletic body is very um, obsession for some yogis now. Um, but really saying, you know what, this is part of who we are and we can work through the body to develop ourselves. So this is what embodiment means to me. Mm. Which kind of ties into the next question that we wanted to ask, which is, are you um, maybe familiar with who invented the word embodiment? <laughs> was it one person? Was it a group of people? Was it like a couple of people thinking alike in two different parts of the world? Like it usually happens. 
Uh, and how has this movement um, made its way to the modern times right now? How has it changed in the past few years? Right. So, I mean, there's a normal English word. We could say, you know, Brack, a mama embodies leadership, right? So it does have a common English usage. Um, but it's also used independently in a number of fields. So it, um, in philosophy, this word has um, come up from kind of Nietzsche and is it Herschel and various others. Uh, in anthropology, this word is used. Um, in robotics, even, this word is used. Um, so this concept is getting independently invented in different places. And I think myself and others realized that there needed to be an overall term for what could be called body-mind arts, you know, or mind-body arts, or sometimes somatic arts. But somatic is uh, sometimes a synonym. Sometimes we could say this is like a subset of embodiments. Um, and people realizing, like, there's something in common that we could say are body arts that are using awareness. So mindful-based body arts. Um, and then it became clear that the, as Western view of mindfulness kind of came in and started to be a bit very much about the mind, even though it's not necessarily what the Sanskrit and Pali of, of this is meaning, um, there needs to be a differentiation. And one way of thinking of embodiment is a kind of nice umbrella term for these different arts like yoga and martial arts and conscious dance and improv and bodywork. So there needed to be some term. And I've been particularly associated with the term embodiment and promoting that and putting that forward in the internet and in, you know, for the last what, 10, 15 years. Uh, and that seems to be catching on now, seems to be trending, as it were. Um, yeah. And I, I think mm -hmm. it's a good word because it's, it's different things to different people, but it, it's covering something that is intuitively making sense to more and more people. So it was you who first started to use this word and this meaning, more or less? Or no, there I mean, there's people that use it like embodied leadership, for example, like Richard Strozzi Heckler was using that term. And I mean, the word is around a long time, but it, it, I, I think I've been one of the ones who has most rigorously defined it because now I've, I've said it's, it's not any old crap, right? Um, but equally, I'm one of the people who said, right, this is the scope of the field, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And I make some graphics and I put some videos out there and, you know, just say, okay, this is how it's different from mindfulness. This is how it's different from just athletic exercise. Um, and, you know, to say the body, embodiment is working with, yes, the subjective sense of the self. So this includes mindfulness, but also we're working with the person. So when, if you're meditating on the body, that's not, that's mindfulness. If you're meditating as the body, then this is embodiment. Mm -hmm. um, we could also say embodiment is awareness and choice. So modern mindfulness, though actually not in some of the old traditions, modern mindfulness is often defined as non-judgmental present moment awareness. This is the Kabat-Zinn version. Mm -hmm. um, whereas embodiment is not just awareness, it's also choice. So we're also changing our state with action. Mm -hmm. It's motor yes. as well as sensory. And we're changing our state and um, our being. So developing ourselves. So this is a perspective on the body where it's not just like getting high through doing some exercise or some endorphin pumping hot yoga, but actually uh, developing our personhood through the body. So this, uh, I would say, is different than just feeling. Mm -hmm. It's clear, yes. making some yeah, sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's taken me, a I, in interviews, I get asked this a lot, and um, there's no one right answer when someone says, what is embodiment? And sometimes I'm giving an experience, you know, and I'm, if I'm teaching a workshop, I'm defining it through... Uh, experiences rather than talking about it but i feel like i just wrote a book called embodiment and you know defining it and using graphs and poems and all sorts of different ways to get into the topic but um it seems to be a fashion so in yoga you'll see different kinds of things calling themselves embodied this or embodied that and some of them are really good like tara judell's work for example really good work totally different from mine 
but equally embodied in a different way, coming from a different base. Yeah, because the embodiment field is very broad. So, so for example, Tara's drawing from uh, body mind centering, which is a system that I have very little training in, um, as well as other things. So, you know, there's different approaches that can, with validity, call themselves embodied and still be quite different. Um, my own has a particular flavor. As I said, I'm not trying to teach a style of yoga. There's already too many styles of yoga, right? Let's face mm. it. So instead, I'm working with, like, you two, you teach different kinds of yoga. Mm -hmm. So some teachers, it's vinyasa, it's hatha, it's yin. I have uh, students who do acro, even one in Moscow who does Iyengar yoga, you know, mm -hmm. and combining their style with this way of doing things because it's not demanding you do anything differently. It's just saying here are some principles which can help you if you want to help students improve their lives. Because otherwise, like, what's the point, right? Like, who cares if you can put your foot behind your head? Who cares if you can do a handstand or splits? Oh, who cares if you sit in samadhi for two hours? Right. I mean, <laughs> Meditation. Even, uh, yeah. Let's take it to a different extreme as well. <laughs> Great. So they're the two extremes people are chasing often in yoga. Not everyone, but many people. It's either physical athleticism mm -hmm. or some kind of Eastern esoteric enlightenment. But none of us live in a cave in the Himalayas. Right? We're in, you have a child. I have a business. You know, we have friendships. You have husbands. You have lives. Um, so how can our yoga help, help us in, in those in real life? Yeah. Not in some fantasy of maybe being in Bali for a few weeks a year or, you know, pretending you're a, a monk. This is not most people's lives that I work with. After I start workshops, I say, what do you care about? And they say, health and money and my sex life and my kids and politics and, you know, the environment. And they say all these things. And I say, okay, tell me specifically how your yoga impacts that. And health is easy. I go, okay, I don't do health. Everyone else does health. Mm -hmm. Right. But then all the other stuff, people kind of like, I don't know. Right. Whereas with embodied yoga, you can say, right, let's look at warrior pose. Let's develop this way of being. Let's look mm -hmm. at how you can be more of a warrior as a mother, as a lover, as a as environmentalist, whatever you want to mm -hmm. do. Um, and then we have a load of whole load of poses, which you won't find in modern posture yoga. So I've given the example of warrior because it's familiar, warrior too. Mm -hmm. um, but we're also using another, what, 18 poses that are like completely not in normal yoga, which you've taken from dance and martial arts. Like, for example, like we have a no pose, which people can find on YouTube if they want to see it. Just Google no, no pose yoga, um, which we work with boundaries. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, what do you need to say no to? You know, this is an important issue. Mm -hmm. um, we have an enthusiasm pose, which people love, an yeah. inspiration pose. And there's so many different ways of exploring being human. Yeah, for sure. So you're doing it a longer, uh, uh, for a longer time now. Um, how long? Uh, well, I mean, I first did yoga when I was 16. I first started realizing there was more to yoga than is normally done. We're talking about postural yoga about 10 years ago. Uh, five years ago, I sat down with a bunch of yoga teachers and created this system. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've taught it in about 30 countries. See, this the... The poses are archetypal. So what we're looking for is something which resonates with all people. Like you're Russian, you're Ukrainian, my family from Ireland. I was teaching in Israel last week. I'm now in Berlin. So we need poses that are really resonating deeply with all people. So we've spent the last five years testing this in different countries and making sure that it's really genuinely cross-cultural. And we're finding this like deep archetypal structures to play with. And now we have a at first we were like adding a pose taking a pose and now we've got this alphabet of 26 mm -hmm. poses which is uh, sometimes variation some teacher might create some slight variation this is normal um, that's fine but um, generally we're pretty set now this is a good repertoire 
But it's also only a part of what you're doing. The embodiment yoga is only a... Yeah, this is just one part. I work with coaches. We have something called the Embodied Facilitator course. Uh, I invented a conference, the, the Embodiment Conference. Excuse me. This conference is... <laughs> I'm burping now. This conference uh, we expect 150,000 people at next year. So it's going to be pretty big, including mm -hmm. some major speakers. Um, so if people find the Embodiment Conference if they want free access to of the best embodiment teachers in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the embodiment podcast. Uh, it's just every, embodiment mm -hmm. everything. Em embodiment avocado salad, like I said. Everything's there. Yes. Um, by the way, here's a little disclaimer for you guys out there who maybe would like to catch Mark mm. in Berlin in February. Ooh. Good <laughs> chance. <laughs> yes, so um, Mark is coming to Berlin to teach Embodied Yoga Principles teacher training. And if you're interested, um, we're going to... Um, add some information about this training as a part of the description for this episode. Great. So that's the five-day teacher training. There's an online version, but in person is much juicier to you know do it in person mm. if you can. Online's great for people that can't make it. We do them in Austin, Texas, uh, Berlin, and the United Kingdom, and they're the only places I'll be teaching that teacher training next year, mm -hmm. just because it's just much more efficient to teach online and teach hundreds of people than. It's it's nice to be in a room though with twenty five people in Berlin. So mm. um, it's a cool town. So I think it'll be a good training. Cool. We are looking forward to that. Also, I really love that you um, very briefly mentioned the collective intelligence behind the system. Mm. So you sat down with a bunch of yoga teachers. You said, "Who are the other people who have been um, key to the development mm -hmm. of this specific yep, yep. Uh, methodology?" Yeah. So I believe a community is always smarter than any individual. And also we've seen all the scandals that happen with um, individuals. So it's really important teachers are ethically part of a bigger system. Um, now, even though I'm a creative person, I'm a founder, it's like I work with senior teachers. So I think I'm teaching with Jane, aren't I? In, uh, so there's about five or six senior teachers now, plus a whole community of 200 teachers. And Jane, for example, is working with teenage girls, writes a passage, she's coming from an Anasara background. She's a completely different person than me. She's like the most polite English woman you'll ever meet, and I'm me. So <laughs> it's like really good balance personality-wise. Nice. Sometimes gender stuff comes up. We're working with something, you know, sexual or something around boundaries, and mm -hmm. someone just wants to talk to a woman. That's, you know, really helpful if there's two teachers. So we always co-teach on teacher trainings. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's Jamie Abrams. She's American. Jamie uh, is working a lot with sexuality. Um, and then Vididasa. Vididasa is one of my main co-teachers. He's a Buddhist. And coming from a strong Buddhist background and teaching a very gentle Hatha yoga, whereas Jamie's teaching a much more vigorous vinyasa kind of yoga. Uh, Mayan Patel in London, completely different cultural background. He's working a lot with um, free movement and acro and this kind of stuff. Uh, there's, there's, you know, there's several senior teachers who are all, they're all bringing stuff to the party. You know, they bring their own wisdom, their own training and embodiments, not just yoga, but embodiment. Yoga's huge, but embodiment's really huge. So... It's great when people are bringing their own contributions and there's people that can um, add things and suggest things. And, you know, even on the online training, you'll see there's like a whole bunch of teachers on there. And uh, Karin, she's a Dutch woman. She's teaching as well. And everyone's got their own style. And the, what we show is how it combines with different things. So like, and you can do embodied yoga principles as a, like a workshop, like I'm doing tomorrow which is like um, very intense psychologically, you know, it's quite emotional, it's, it's pretty full on, you know, it's a lot of jokes, but also a lot of uh, psychological insight. Or you could just sprinkle a bit on your Hatha class. 
you know, you could be doing your warrior pose in the middle of your vinyasa or your hatha, and you just say, hey, where does this show up in your life? And people go, oh, okay, it gives them an insight. Or just go, hey, is this familiar? You know, EYP is completely open source, so anyone that's listening to this can steal any of this. You know, use it. And it's very easy to just ask a question like that. Say, hey, who feels comfortable in this post? You know, or where, where, do you, where do you tend to do this in your life? And people make these connect. People are smart. People make, if you give them, I think the main thing we did in EYP is we just gave people a bit more space to have the insight they would have anyway. Because the problem in the normal yoga class for, for this purpose is it's moving so quick. You know, what we do is not great exercise, right? But it's like, it's great for this because we stop people and we say, right, take a moment. And we do like a verbal debrief. And this is almost unheard of in a normal class. Now, if you're doing EYP, what we call EYP light, you don't have to do this part. But for a full workshop, that processing and integrating of the learning is really helpful or else it's too quick. That's actually exactly what I felt uh, when I first came in contact with you in the frames of a workshop in Stockholm mm -hmm. as a part mm -hmm. of the yoga dance um, festival there. It felt like very familiar and that mm, many insights were already there. Not very surprising in that sense, but that's because I come with a baggage of 16 years of yoga practice beforehand, <laughs> uh, which of course uh, gives you some kind of... Um, um, yeah, it's circumstances for the, <laughs> for, for the inside to be there. And I've always been also interested mm. in psychology myself, but it really does feel like if you um, go to the specific workshops on embodiment or teacher trainings, you're speeding up the process for sure. Massively. So what yeah. could take me years to realize through my own experience um, probably took just a couple of minutes <laughs> to be explained and also to be given the space to actually try to feel into it in groups like you did it that yeah. time. We often say the biggest problem we have is it works too well because <laughs> people are getting, you saw this, right? You get these big psychological insights, particularly mm -hmm. if people like you, they're naturally thoughtful people. They're interested in psychology. They've already got a practice. So they're not worried about where they're putting their left foot or the right foot, you know, because they, mm -hmm. they know the pose is easy. You know, it's not too athletic, our practice. Um, and then they're very quickly getting very strong insights. So we have to be very careful of that and build a strong container. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I'd say, it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, if people don't want to examine their own psychology, if they don't want to have an emotional experience, it's not, um, you know, if your life's a mess and you're really disruptive and you're going through trauma right now, not a good idea. You know, it's not calming like most yoga. Mm -hmm. It's disruptive. But if you're like, hey, I'm really interested to learn about myself and I want something practical for my life and I'm not just trying to get exercise and I'm, you know, not some kind of new age idiot who thinks they're super spiritual because they speak in a funny yoga voice, you know, like it's a good, it can be a really good fit. And I think there's like 10% of yogis who it's on the tip of their tongue. And when they come, they're like, oh, I was kind of doing this. Or, you know, we've just, mm -hmm. we're just going to save people a lot of time because we've made it much more efficient in terms of... It's, it's not that normal yoga doesn't do what we do, but it's just this is all we do. Yeah, so we're just exactly. totally letting go of the other, the other stuff, like the athleticism, mm -hmm. you know. But you can't start like um, absolutely yoga beginner. You can't come to your class. Yeah, the, you need to know already the poses. Uh, it's, well, you can. And sometimes they get a lot because they're not no yoga in the mm -hmm. way. But it's, it's, it's easier if they're already able to do the poses, some of the poses, though there's new poses, because that way they're not worried about like, you know, if you're doing a forward bend and you've never done one before, your hamstrings are going to hurt. If you're like the average office worker and you've never done a forward bend, I mean, that's uncomfortable. 
And if you're think of it in terms of koshas, so if you're if the physical body is drawing all your attention, like a very strong hot practice or very athletic practice, you're not going to go to this more subtle psycho emotional kosher which we're working with. And the same thing with a beginner. So a beginner is just going to be like, ow, my legs hurt. You're not going to get any insight. Yeah. So it does help. I mean, there's ways around that, but it does help if people have at least sort of six months or a year of even a couple of times a week practice. Mm -hmm. So because this is a podcast for yoga teachers, I wanted to ask you a question, Mark, Mm. about uh, this idea that let's just say that you're a yoga teacher with experience and you've noticed things and you had your own insights. Um, when is the point that you can go ahead and create your own system like you? And what does it take to build <laughs> such a following and such a community as you have done? You know, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, this is really cultural. So I, having the confidence to create your own thing. I mean, entrepreneurs do it all the time, right? It's not a big deal if you're making a new kind of a juice or a new kind of, uh, I don't know, what do we have in Berlin? A bicycle repair shop, right? Mm-hmm. So um, this is something people entrepreneurially minded do and certain cultures really support this. So for example, in the United States, really normal. Uh, Israel, I was last week, really normal. It's like, you know, if people are enthusiastic, they're like, yeah, go do your thing. The downside to that is it can be arrogant. Mm-hmm. Like you've done like one year of yoga and then all of a sudden you're making a system, right? Mm-hmm. So minimal, rec- the other side is like in Germany and I think England too, I think Germany, definitely England is people can be really like negative. Like, who do you think you are? You know, I, I'd done yoga for 20 years when I started this, yeah. like 19 years, I think, when I started this, and people were still were criticizing me. Mm-hmm. Like, but, but who gave you permission? You know, and I'm like, you don't, what? Like, not only had I done yoga for 19 years, but I'd done a psychology degree. I was a black belt in Aikido. You know, I have, a, um, I've done, I have three, three senior yoga teachers in Brighton I have an ongoing 10-year-long relationship with. People like Peter Blackaby, you know, pretty established yoga teachers. Um, and I still felt this British part of me that was like, don't be too big. Who do you think you are? It's very, you know, if you're working class, this is tricky. Um, but, but that being said, I think you need to have several things in place for everyone's safety. So, you know, some anatomy training is useful, obviously. Um, for mine, that's less useful. For me, it was more like trauma training. So would, would, while anyone can use EYP, I would say, unless you have trauma-aware training, be very careful because... There's a lot of stuff I know about. For example, we're working with boundaries. Someone might something about someone's violation or assault might come up, you know. Um, and you need to be able to hold that. You need to be okay with that. Luckily, one of my main teachers, Paul Linden, is a trauma therapist, so I've had this education for years. Um, it's also like psychologically. Before I officially certify someone, I want to see they're mature psychologically, um, that they've lived. You know, they're not. It's not to say that a young person can't have that. We have one teacher that was like 25. They were the youngest one, but she was really grown up. She'd traveled, she'd started a business, she'd had a baby. It was like, she'd done a lot. You need to live a little. And in EYP, life stuff is coming up. I think another one is knowing your limits. So we're not, we're not giving advice in EYP. There's no advice. So the system is coaching system. Essentially, it's coaching yoga. So we, we ask people, where do you need that in your life? We don't tell them, oh, you know, your problem is this era is you need to spend more time. No, no, no. No, we don't do that. And so there's trauma awareness, there's boundaries and of expertise. And the third thing would be do your own, do your own shadow work. Mm-hmm. Like most yoga, yoga and meditation does not touch shadow. So shadow is the unconscious part of us, the, the bits we don't want to look at. Therapy is what touches that. This is a Western invention. So the West is bringing a lot to embodiment. It's not just the East. Uh, and I think if you're, you, why we see so many abuse scandals in 
excuse me, in yoga and meditation is people are um, maybe getting great states, getting very expansive, but they're not touching the shadow. So this is the third thing I would recommend for anyone before they start a system where they're getting all this power. Like I'm, you're from the Ukraine, right? Like I remember going to the Ukraine and I'm teaching a session and there's like 50 amazingly beautiful women looking up at me with big eyes. And I'm, you know, I'm like a young guy and I'm thinking, God, you better have done some therapy at that point, you know? So, um, yeah, well worth, well worth looking at that side. Amazing. You touched on a lot of things and I just wanted to kind of summarize and ask you also what you think about these issues. So we definitely see a movement from this kind of authoritarian guru model. <laughs> let me tell you what to do to embodiment um, era where everyone is tapping into their own inner intelligence and is empowered to do mm -hmm. so by giving a set of toolboxes that they can use to dissect their own um, psyche. And it feels definitely like we're going into a new direction and yet you still have a lot of leftover from the um, previous system. And um, I'm sure that you also come across people, individuals uh, who are voicing their criticism who hate me <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> how do you deal with that <laughs> okay so first of all let's define the challenge so i would define it this way so there's three value sets that are currently at war within yoga mm -hmm. and the reason they're at this they're at war in the whole world in america they're super at war um so these value sets could be called pre-modern modern and post-modern so pre-modern is traditionalist authoritarian guru-led the great Ayenga, the great Ashtangi, whatever, said this is the truth and it is the truth mm -hmm. and your body is a problem to be controlled. Okay, this is, you're definitely seeing this in yoga. I mean, this stopped being a thing in Europe in the Middle Ages, the Renaissance stopped this. So this is really not in fitting with our culture. It's archaic. I mean, you might still find it in the Midwest of America where they don't teach evolution in schools or something, but it's pretty old fashioned in Europe. You'll see it more in Russia actually. Um, and then and in Ukraine, you know. yeah, you, Ukraine too, you both, both for sure. Um, and then we have modernist, which is more like most people in the West, which is looking at things logically through evidence here. The body is like something to be optimized, achievement oriented, like, you know, who can do the best handstand, who's got the best asana, but also like science, like looking at the anatomy, like Indians from our thousand years ago, are rubbish at anatomy, rubbish. Yeah. Okay. We've, this is Western. They added a lot of beautiful things, but not anatomy. Yeah. So we're looking at science, reason, logic, anatomy, things get more democratic. This is also happening in yoga, right? We see this democratization, this scientific, like, hey, does a twist really detoxify the spine? Let's look at the studies, you know? Like yeah. in Ariana Rabinovich is a friend of mine in New York. Her book of yoga myths is just like, is required reading, okay? There's lots of Peter Blackaby's intelligent yoga should be required reading. There's so many myths out there. It's such bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, so this is now taking over as, 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 as the main value set. The third one though, that's now coming into culture in a bigger way, particularly in Scandinavia, Holland, West Coast of America and Canada, postmodern view. So this is very sensitive. Everybody's upset. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's oppressed. Uh, everything's subjective, not objective. It's all feeling based. So this is much more open to embodiment, but it has another set of problems mm -hmm. in this kind of feeling oriented, slightly sensitive West Coast way of doing things. So in yoga, what you see now is apps and you see this in other arts too. Like at the moment, there's a big war happening in Aikido. 
between Japanese racist, sexist, hierarchical teachers mm -hmm. and Western feminists. Mm -hmm. And they're absolutely kicking each other's ass right now. Mm -hmm. And in yoga, you see this, you know, so you've got like Matthew Remsky doing good stuff, critiquing mm -hmm. some of the old kind of traditional ways and, you know, many other people out there. And for me, actually, the real interesting thing is how do you integrate those three? How do you have a tradition which is logical but still sensitive to people's needs? So that's what I'm interested in. And on a good day, that means I can appreciate all of those camps. And on a bad day, it means they all hate me. So um, there's yeah, a person. The second you're not question taking is, an extreme view of any one I'm of them. I'm not going extreme on any of them. Mm. So, like, you can go very extreme into each one of those and fight each other. And yeah. for me, it's like they all have something to offer. Even the traditionalist one. Mm -hmm. you know, there's something for tradition, something for sure. structures and boundaries and yeah. rules, you know. Yeah. Um, you understand this. Like, culturally, like, Russians and Ukrainians understand this because the alternative to this is chaos. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a good thing until you actually experience it. Yeah, well, I mean, you can also kind of see that these days um, anarchy is coming up quite a lot as well. Have you been uh, <coughs> feeling the winds of that? Well, it's usually coming up when I'm teaching because it's my, it's my, I'm from an Irish anarchist kind of background. So this is, <coughs> excuse me, I'm joking. This is my like personal style, but this is just stylistic. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't confuse style with this cultural piece because, mm -hmm. you know, I might have a very yang personality, but that doesn't make it worse or better than, say, Jane, who has a very yin way of teaching mm -hmm. or Vididasa. Um, so we should, shouldn't confuse development with style or type. Um, yeah, you know, for me, it's an interesting challenge. We live in a world where it's, it's a lot of criticism and there's a lot of um, people looking to take people down, you know. Because it's power. It's games. a kind of power. It's a kind mm -hmm. of power. And looking to make accusations, looking to make, uh, you know, to, uh, using victimhood as a form of aggression. This is very new. Mm -hmm. This is a, a, another kind that of game also. that's happening. And often these things are overshoots. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a good intention, like, hey, we should hold teachers account for their sexual ethics. Great. Mm -hmm. And then there's maybe an overshoot into something else, yeah. right? So, hey, we should be sensitive to trauma. I totally agree. I have that training. You know, and, and, and equally, I've worked in war zones, right? So it's like someone told me once they were upset because there was a mirror in the room in my yoga studio that I was teaching at. And I was like, well, it's not ideal because, you know, to go in, it's best not to have a mirror. But we couldn't cover it up that day. It was a big mirror. We didn't have any way to cover up. We were renting the studio. And it's like, if you're scared of your own reflection, maybe you shouldn't be in a yoga workshop. Maybe you should be in one-to-one -one therapy. You know what I mean? So it's like this is an overshoot of trauma sensitivity. Then it just becomes another way of oppressing yeah. people. It becomes yeah. another way to attack people. Yeah, yeah. So. And set rules, new rules. It's just a matter of switching the rules. <laughs> new dictators, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like now we're being dictated to from Berkeley instead of from uh, Poon or whatever, mm -hmm. right? So... Yeah, so you're traveling a lot and you're doing a lot. How you see uh, the development of the movement embodiment? What like what you can see and what do you think is coming in the future? Well, it's definitely spreading. Not just, I mean, I have a particular modality, but generally embodiment is there's all over the world. Not just in yoga, in dance. You know, I was at a conference here in Berlin, mm -hmm. uh, martial arts. So that the idea that the body has wisdom and the idea that we can tune into the body. Um, It's growing because of necessity. Like everyone I know is insanely busy, mm -hmm. insanely addicted to technology, um, absolutely cut off from themselves. And because of that, the idea of embodiment, which used to be maybe a middle-class luxury, is now becoming a, a survival essential, both mm -hmm. individually and for our relationships and for the planet. So I see a kind of um, a coming to a head 
where embodiment is not the only solution, obviously, but this is part of the big picture that the world is like desperately needing. And so this is why it's growing. And this is why, you know, we did the conference last year, 15,000 people turned up. We were like, what the hell? We thought maybe 2,000, you know? And then next year we think 10 times as big because we weren't even prepared last year. You know, we didn't even promote it until three months before. Um, are people interested in the book that I have coming out? You know, this, this word is trending. So this is, yes, I'm promoting it. It's me, but it's also, it's much bigger than me. This is happening all over the world. So um, I'm really pleased, basically. And I, I see things developing, for the most part, very positively. And many cool people out there doing good stuff. Mm. Wow, on this positive note, I think it's time to end. Nice place to end, huh? Nice place to wrap up on a positive note for a change. 